Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Fitzgerald in the steal of territory. 30, 20, 10. Arizona has the lead. It's all the non-believers. How did that It's all the non-believers. Especially you, Tom Jackson. Anybody can be beat. He's got 40, something. 50, He's got 40, it. He's got it. 20, 10. He's got five. it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. He wants to get in a fight. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't fight. Oh, God. Stokely down the sideline. Can he catch him? Stokely. Wow. Touchdown, Denver. Unbelievable. All right, you're very welcome along to the very first NFL podcast from Off the Ball this season. Uh, joining us today, Kean Fahey, columnist at footballguys.com and footballoutsiders.com. Sam Monson at profootballfocus.com. You can check out their new podcast called, appropriately enough, the PFF podcast at iTunes. Also with us, Donnie Mahoney, Off the Ball producer and resident Pats fan. Hello. Hello, everybody. Kean, you're very welcome. Hey, Pat. Uh, Sam, life for you, I presume. There is no life in between the end of... Uh, it just magically reappears... Yeah, it's just various states of uh, of busy. You know, you're going from the relatively busy off season into the the hectically manic busy of the regular season, and on we go. Yeah, and sleep patterns a bit weird, I presume. What sleep? Keen, <laughs> uh, for you, what are you looking forward to most this year? Um, I'm actually looking forward to just trying to figure out who the worst teams in the league are. I know it sounds a bit weird, but I know that the Raiders are really bad. But outside of that, there's a lot of lots of like about a lot of teams and a lot of dislike about a lot of teams which I think is kind of rare because I normally really don't like a team and I really do like the team, but now it's kind of blurred this year. Uh, Sam, what about you? Who's the worst team? I don't think the Raiders is a bad shout. The other one, I think, is the Jags, but they're a team, I think, that is actually building in the right direction. They've just come from so far below everybody else that they've still got a ways to go. And I think the other thing about them is that they would jump dramatically up the list if they end up starting Blake Bortles in any part in the process. If they have to run with Chad Henney, through the entire season, you know, that's that's first overall pick material. I'm, I'm I'm all on board the Bortles train here. It's a good thing that we have these archives of these podcasts because I think history will prove that some of us were on the Blake Bortles bandwagon very early yeah, on. Yeah, me, me, me. Now, you, on the other hand, we're, uh, we're like, this guy's a chump, pretty much is what I remember. January seems so long ago, or whatever we were talking about, that guy. Uh, some other bad teams, are, are Cleveland's going to be a bad team this year? Uh, I don't think they'll be good, but I think... Their roster is actually not in too bad shape. It's just that the quarterback their position is, is still up in the air. You know, Brian Hoyer is going to start. At some point, we're going to see Johnny Manziel. And so far, most of the signs haven't been great in terms of what he's going to bring. So I, that's going to be what holds them back, I think. When RG3 was drafted um, second behind Andrew Luck, there was an immediate sense that he was going to be brilliant in the league. And there was no debate about whether or not he was going to start. For Johnny Manziel, it seems to be like, well, we're not really sure. It might take a couple of years for this guy to learn the playbook. Yeah, I think RG3 had a lot more tools to him as well as athleticism that's way better than, than Johnny Manziel's. Johnny Manziel is pretty athletic. RG3 is, you know, a, a, an Olympic caliber sprinter, that kind of thing. So he's he's a much more athletic guy and he showed far more in the passing game. Whereas Manziel has always been a guy who who has that kind of far of, you know, crazy ad-libbing about him, but without being able to play within the structure that, that Favre also had. So at the moment, you've got a guy who will make some crazy highlight real plays but the question is can you tame him between those plays and can you get him to work within the confines of a regular NFL offense yeah. and, and so far they haven't been able to get him to do that and making 10 yards and 3 downs yeah exactly just moving the chains um, what about Buffalo Keen? what about them oh, that's actually 
actually the next team I, I think they're quite interesting because like Cleveland, they have a very talented roster, probably a more talented roster than Cleveland overall, but the, the quarterback situation just hasn't figured itself out. EJ Manuel didn't look good as a rookie and he's failed to start again after their underwhelming preseason. So you like they, they were even forced to sign veteran Kyle Orton, who was close to retiring recently, and it's possible that he eventually becomes the starter. And the, the worst part about it for Buffalo is they traded away their first-round pick for next year. So even if they do tank this year, they won't get the reward of a quarterback. So you're, you're, you're looking at them, they need to perform, but I'm not sure that they're capable of performing. You've also got the Bon Jovi factor there with Buffalo. That's got to be worth two wins, I think. Or, or two defeats. In, in which tank. direction? Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, wins. <laughs> this is Bon Jovi we're talking about. Yeah, but he, he's not gonna, he hasn't taken over yet. But they, it, they want it to get to a desperation point, right? They're going to want to prove to Bon Jovi that they're worthy of his ownership and his money and they're going to try all that they're going to go the extra mile for him they're going to try and dampen down the price so he doesn't have to pay that much money and then he can invest that immediately I disagree <laughs> who's your worst team? Uh, the Cowboys oh yeah? well not in terms of wins and losses but just in terms of disappointment that they're going to wreak on the people who love them around the world well, but why? they've got Dez they've got no defense they've got uh, Tony Romo and his broken back and I'd they have a legacy of, that they're inheriting year on year now. An 8-8 eight eight legacy. Yeah, of just miss, falling short every time. And I think that's much worse. Especially, That's much worse than uh, being a, one of these 3-11, 4-12 teams. And when you talk about teams with no defense, like this Cowboys defense may end up being historically bad. I mean, it's just it's up front there is nobody. Re- I mean, you... The fourth preseason game, you know, is the the real backups, the third string guys that are just playing to to put some tape out there and to try and cling on to a roster spot. And those were the best performers on the Cowboys D line. Those were the guys that stood out. You know, they made a couple of plays quick, jump them up the depth chart. He's already better than the starters. Maybe there's you know a fluky thing that happens and they actually uncover some stars. They they may uncover some stars, but the problem is they need. Seven of them. Then you know the entire front seven, more or less, needs to be to be replaced. Everybody knows this, and everybody's been talking about this pretty much since the middle of last season. So what the hell? Why why didn't they fix it? I, I have no idea. It was already bad, and they lost you know their two best players from the war. One of them was Sean Lee, who went down with another injury. So you can't really blame them for that. But you know they let Demarcus Ware walk out the door. They've let people walk away from that defense, and it was already a major problem. Yeah, Kim, what do you think is going to happen with the uh, with the Cowboys this year? Uh, I'm probably less negative than them. I, I actually agree in, in terms of the defense being really bad, but the defense was really bad last year. Lee missed time as well, and Ware was playing through injury all last year. And um, they, 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 they still were one game out of the playoffs, and that's just because they play in that division in the NFC East where there is no real favorite, and they've got Romo and Brian too. But when Romo played last year, in the 15 games he played, they scored over 30 points in seven games. So they can win shootouts. So I don't think they're anywhere near one of the worst teams in the league. But they're also not going to live up to their reputation, like Donnie said. Going to be good to watch, at least. Uh, if anybody ever wants to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at Off The Ball here. Let's talk about what you're actually looking forward to the most on the positive side of things and um, potential contenders for the championship games. Um, it's obviously a very difficult question, Sam. But uh, Or maybe it's not that difficult. Maybe it's very similar to what we've had over the last couple of seasons because the best teams are, have been so well run in recent years that there hasn't been huge turnover at, for example, Seattle and San Francisco and even to a lesser extent, maybe Green Bay. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's difficult to look beyond certainly the two Super Bowl teams and the 49ers in terms of contenders next year. Those three sides seem to be so much better than everybody else in terms of 
you know, roster depth and they've got quality kind of all across the, the, the depth chart. You know, having a, a franchise quarterback helps for all of them, obviously, but those guys are able to turn away people at the bottom end of the roster that plenty of other teams would kill to have. You know, the Seahawks are, are happy to cut draft picks and they've made a they made a point of telling agents this, that, you know, this roster is so stacked that if your guy plays well, we'll happily let loose, cut loose a, a fifth-round pick to make room for him. That's how good that roster is. There's other teams in the league can't come close to, to matching that. The whole thing about teams repeating, um, there's a, a countless different reasons why a team might not repeat, but there are, this time it seems, far more people willing to make the case that the Seahawks have the roster, the the sense of uh, this being a precise moment in time for this group, all that kind of stuff that makes you think, well, they've got a very good chance. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly difficult to repeat in the NFL just because it's it's there's so many different things can happen in a game and games can turn instantly on one play that, you know, on any given Sunday, as they say, any team can beat any other team. And obviously the, the better your roster is, the bigger that chance. But the Seahawks are as well-placed as any team has been, you know, in the last couple of decades running into the their their defending season to retain it. Whether they will or not is obviously still up in the air, but they've got a really good shot. So it is your expectation that it'll be a Seahawks 49ers championship game and probably in Seattle again? Yeah, probably. Like I say, I find it very difficult to look beyond those those three teams as the as the, the best three teams in the NFL again this season. Okay, and what about you? This um this Seahawks group has obviously attracted so much attention for the way they just annihilated um Peyton Manning's offense and it was kind of easy for them in the end. Plus, their incredible home record makes it very easy for you to see how they'll have um, home advantage throughout the playoffs next year. What can stop them? Uh, well, injuries is obviously the main thing, but the, the probably the one weak spot on their defence, which isn't even really a weak spot, it's just more so a vulnerable spot, is their run defence. And they're losing Red Bryant and Chris Clemens, who were both older players getting on. And they were probably in decline, but they're still big losses in terms of having that reliable rotation and that experience in the front. And that's kind of the one area where you can attack them. But you're, to be honest, you're going to need injuries or complacency for them to not be one of the best teams in the league, I think. Because they, they could even be better this year than they were last year because the offense it looks to be improving. Russell Wilson looks to be becoming more of a focal point of the offense. And Percy Harvin, if he's healthy, we saw what he did in last year's Super Bowl. If he if he can do that for 16 games a year, it's it's just there's no real logical way to say that they won't be one of the uh, contending teams. He'd also be one of the greatest sports people in the history of the world if he could do that for 16 games in a row. But if he can get anywhere close to it, at least uh, it's going to be a huge weapon for them. Um, does anybody actually have the run game to take advantage of that, though? Like you kind of look at the spread of teams who might be in potent in a potential playoff game against the Seahawks and I don't know if any of them well I, I'm asking do any of them really have the enough running backs and enough intelligence in their play calling to be able to take advantage of any perceived weakness on the Seahawks Well I'm actually fascinated by Thursday night's game because Eddie Lacy is a, an outstanding running back who I think could be one of the best in the league even this year and he kind of picks the mold of a bigger back who can break tackles who can find space where space isn't actually there against the Seahawks even. and the Seahawks are kind of built on speed rather than size so if you can get two Garrett, like the Packers have Josh Sitton and I can't remember the other Garrett. They have two pretty good guards who could actually uh, spark that running game and they're a bit versatile. So I, I actually like this matchup on Thursday night. So this will tell us a lot about if they can be actually attacked or not. Yeah, it's an amazing game to start the season. Pretty good. I'm not so sure about your boys, though. The 49ers. The 49ers. I just wonder. I've never seen a coach try to be traded before. 
<laughs> I agree with Donny actually. Like why? Something More arrests than anybody. Uh, a lot of arrests in the offseason. A lot of trouble in that defense. You just wonder, like Frank Gore, he's not. He's a year older than he was. I I don't know who the team that takes the step up. Somebody in the the Packers, the North somewhere. The Packers have got a good shot to do it. They, like I say, or like Kean said, Eddie Lacy is a fantastic running back. Aaron Rodgers is, if not the best quarterback in the NFL, then he's the top two. Um, they've got receivers. They've got an offensive line. The defense has always been a bit of an Achilles heel for them, but they do look like they're improving. Certainly the the defensive backs, they've added some talent there. They seem to be unearthing a couple of extra pass rushers opposite Clay Matthews, which is what they've been searching for for years. So they've got pieces emerging that they could potentially put it all together and make a run. Okay, uh, let's talk a bit more about the 49ers then, Keen, if you think that um, Donnie's right here. Why do you think they've regressed? Uh, well, you're, you look at Alden Smith's going to be out for nine games. He's suspended. Navarro Bowman's coming off torn ACL. He's going to miss half the season, and he's going to have to come back during the season from that injury, which isn't easy to come back from. You've got two young safeties now in the back end where they used to have less talented players, but more reliable players, more experienced players. Um, well, Antoine Bethea was signed to play there as well, but he's kind of passed out at this stage, I think. Uh, on the defensive line, they're very old. Justin Smith is 35 now, I think. And Ray McDonald could also be suspended because of the domestic violence case that's ongoing. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, the offensive line looks to finally be showing some cracks, which they haven't shown in recent times because they've been a dominant unit. Kaepernick has never played behind a poor offensive line, so we don't really know what we're going to get. It, that's kind of the major difference between Kaepernick and Russell Wilson at this stage is Russell Wilson played behind a very poor offensive line last year and was still very good. And we just we haven't seen that from Kaepernick yet to know that he has it. For every negative, there's a positive. Kaepernick played half of last season injured. He's as with a, a stress fracture in the foot from, um, I don't know, was it the Green Bay game or was it the, the Colts? Um, and also they now have a receiver core that's decent compared with last year when Crabtree was injured. It was effectively... Bolden and um, the tight end. So I, you, you seem to think that they still are contenders? Yeah, I think there's still enough talent there. I think what we're seeing is that their window is closing more than the other teams. I think the defensive line, especially Justin Smith and Ray McDonald, I think are coming towards the end of, of their quality streak in terms of how good they've been up front. You know, Bowman coming back will help, but who knows what we're going to get this year of them. I think the 49ers are still deep and talented enough to be to be a quality unit. The question is how much longer in, you know, into the future that's going to last. What about Harbaugh being uh, on the trading block, which is very unusual? Yeah, it's certainly an interesting one, especially for the 49ers because he has been so successful there and, and managed such a, a fantastic turnaround in terms of a franchise that was once great, you know, fell into, the, into disrepair for a while and he came, turned it all around more or less instantly and has made them, you know, perennial contenders. It, it's, you would have to want you know, to get a lot back in order to be setting him loose. Yeah, it seems crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it certainly was not something I would entertain for very long, but the um, fact that they, you know, apparently did is is interesting. Unless he's just a horrible guy to work for and with. That's very possible. I mean, you can kind of tell that from watching his behavior on the sideline, but apparently a lot of coaches are like that. Well, but maybe he, his time has come there, and I don't know, Maybe maybe there's maybe he can't get them over that line. Maybe he knows deep down. Do you think this is the last spin for them? I think it could be. I yeah. think they'll look back on that, that fourth quarter in Seattle with regret yeah. many years ahead. I'm the, glad that there's a hostage to fortune, at least on the podcast. <laughs> the other thing is I think that within organizations, there's always going to be that kind of power struggle and, and kind of uh, envy in terms of where the credit is getting you know, doled out. And I'm sure there's people within the 49ers organization that think 
you know, it's not all horrible. Mm-hmm. We've done our, yeah. our bit as well. We they, could do it fine without him. We, you know, we get someone else in there. It's not that tough a job. Yeah, they keep getting very uh, well respected for what they do on draft day, and you think, all right, the front office is obviously very good, and they have a good coach. It seems like a perfect situation, but it clearly isn't. Yeah, like I say, I'm sure there's there's all there's potential power struggles and tensions within every organization. Kim, what about the other um, division? Uh, it's the uh, Peyton Manning show and or somebody else, or is this a long procession towards the Broncos uh, trying to redress what happened last year in the Super Bowl? I think it could very easily be just the Broncos winning again, but I don't think they've improved a huge amount. They've changed a lot of pieces without really upgrading or downgrading. Yeah, Eric Necker is the main guy who's done from the offense is being replaced by Emmanuel Sanders, who I think could actually be a better fit for them. Um, but then on the defensive side is where the big changes are coming. They've lost Dominique Rodgers Cromartie and they're bringing in Akeem Kaleeb and they, they brought in TJ Ward at safety as well, which, which was obviously built around being tougher and being able to fight NFC teams off uh, better than they were equipped last year. But the, the, real, the real guy who you need to focus on with the Broncos is Demarcus Ware. Because if Demarcus Ware is as good as he was two or three years ago, or maybe even longer ago, he, he can really elevate the rest of the defense because him and Von Miller would then be rushing off the edges. And it's kind of a very similar team to what Peyton Manning had when he was in Indianapolis when uh, it was Robert Mattis and Dwight Freeney coming off the edges. And you, you're kind of looking at them as the best, maybe the best team in the AFC, but I feel I would pick maybe three or four teams from the NFC over them again because I don't think they've really improved on the offensive line where their weakness was. Okay, so the three or four in the NFC would obviously be the two that we've mentioned, Green Bay, and two, is there a fourth? Uh, I actually don't have Green Bay. I prefer Chicago and New Orleans. All ah, right, okay. That's a first shout for Chicago. We'll talk to them. Talk about them in a moment. Just sticking with the AFC, um, is Peyton going to get his second ring? Uh, no. Why? Well, if it's Seattle who they're playing, I don't think that they're going to beat Seattle ever, so... Um, wonder about the Patriots now. It's just the year that they regress. It's going to come at some stage. Well, Tom Brady's going to regress at some stage. No, the well, the whole project. You know, we've they've kind of we've muddled along as the second best team in the AFC for a long time. Maybe weren't, the best or the second best. Weren't but, they destroyed with injuries last year and still managed yeah. to reach the championship game? But you just wonder at some stage is time just going to catch up with us? How how many how many times can you win that AFC? I don't. I know the guys that are in Browner, Revis. Those guys are good. The defense, like, it's definitely a better team. Gronk. If you can get ten games out of Gronk, that's better than last year. The condition of the offensive line is going to be huge. Yeah. I think you know the, Tom Brady. I think now needs protection more than he's ever done in his career. And you know, trading away a guy like Logan Mankins. You know, there's guys there that have injury histories. Or a tight end. Like they didn't even get a like for like replacement or a younger version. Or they obviously believed that they. It was. It seems strange on the outside. Yeah, I think they've. I think Logan Mangans has fallen from his from his peak, and he's a guy that's missed time from injury. He's got a big cap number. It it makes sense to trade him away, and I I I do like Timothy Wright as a receiver. I think he's a talented player and a good weapon. But yeah, it's it's an interesting move. But the thing is, you're now starting to see potential cracks in that offensive line. They've also, you know, they've changed uh, O line coaches. I think from a long time coach who'd, who'd basically put out a fantastic line protecting Brady for decades and now you've not got that now you've got a guy who's approaching at some point the end of his career and does need the protection and it, it might not be there this year I've kind of talked myself into the Jets <laughs> as a second team as maybe a team that could win the division at like oh, yeah. 9-7 I'm not I, I'm not proud to say that 
And uh, who would be the quarterback that leads him there? Gino? Gino, yeah, of course. Gino lasts the whole season? Well, why not? He's a year, year under his belt. I think he's got some more weapons there. Decker, some better running backs. Yeah? I don't know. I mean... Gino Smith's quietly riding a, a very impressive hot streak. I mean, the first three months of the season were a disaster, but that last month, he played really well, and he's played really well in the preseason as well. That's now, you know, it's a fairly extended run of play yeah. where Gino Smith hasn't looked terrible. I, I've, I've always uh, made the mistake in gambling, particularly in the Premier League, of uh, watching how a team finished last season. Oh, well, they're going to, like, Villa a couple of years ago beat all the title contenders, and you're like, oh, they're going to be a team for Europe, and last year barely escaped <laughs> relegation. Uh, from season to season, is that a real thing, you think, particularly maybe with a young quarterback like that? He finds a, a way of looking at a game and realises I can do it? I think for quarterbacks, there's definitely times when the light can go on. And, you know, Geno Smith especially was a guy who was never really supposed to start last year. He came out, he was seen as an extremely raw, you know, talented but extremely unready guy. And the Jets had Mark Sanchez, got injured, ended up having to throw him to the Lions and it was it was ugly you know those first 3 months of the year there was some very very bad stuff but the last month you know he improved dramatically we started to see why he was supposed to be such a highly touted prospect in the first place capable of winning that division over the pats they would need the Pats to slip. Uh, you know, they're not going to take it off them, I think. But if the Patriots do, if this is the season where they start to regress and they don't win 12 games, you know, if they fall down to 10 maybe, then I think the Jets could possibly get to that mark as well. Keen, what if Gronk plays 16 games? We might see records broken. Gronk is just, Gronk is terrifying in, in when he's healthy. And when he came back, last year was different because he came back from, I believe it was arm surgery. And when you when you come back from arm surgery, it's different than coming back from an ACL because you're not wary of being hit and being hit low. And where he's working over the middle of the field, he's uh, exposed to hits like that. Uh, but last year when he came back, he had eight catches and 100, 100 yards in his first game. So we'll probably know fairly quickly if he's going to be dominant or not. Um, but I'd always, I'd always bet on someone like Grant because he's just so much better than everyone else around him. And as a result, are you therefore betting on the Patriots as well? Me, no, I'm not, actually. I, I like the Jets a lot before they got all these injuries in the secondary because I do think Gino is getting better. And I, like Sam, I think he's been very, very good in the preseason and at the end of last season. And I think there, there is a, an element of the game slowing down for quarterbacks as they grow older. And I, I, I do like the Jets, but I just, I just I can't buy into them with the secondary. So I think the Patriots will probably win the AFC East, but I don't think they'll be a, a massive threat in the playoffs. A lot of shouts for the Chargers this week as well that... Um... They've got everything going. Last year, they had the worst defense in the league, but the second best offense, and they've taken steps to transform the defense. A bit. That that defensive line is still horrible. I've never seen, I've never seen a defensive line have so many plays where one of the players is just driven to another area. Code. It's it's insane. You know, there's normally one guy is supposed to occupy two players. You know, a double team block, and he's supposed to more or less hold his ground. You know, you'll accept him moving a yard or two away from the line of scrimmage. But they have guys getting driven into the secondary 10 yards away from the play and end up, you know, spinning away and falling onto a tackle after a guy's made a 10-yard gain. It's it's nuts. So they're not not improving enough to become live contenders? I think that D-line is just too big of an Achilles heel. They'll be probably this, you know, a similar position to last year. I think the offense is still more than good enough to win them games and to, to probably even get them in the playoff hunt. But I can't see them standing up to teams once they get there. Kian? Uh I think they'll benefit from playing in the AFC West because I think the Chiefs are going to drop off more than they will. Uh, but I, I can't see them improving. I, I think, like like Sam, the defense isn't really built to win yet. 
and they've lost Ken Wisenhunt, who was the offensive coordinator last year, and he seems to play a big role in helping Philip Rivers get back to his very best. Bolo ties a go-go this year or no? I think Bolo ties are passe. <laughs> Circa 2013. They've had their moment and they're done. Uh, all right. One thing I asked you all to think about was uh, an outsider or something that you're looking forward to who overperforms or um, unexpectedly does well this year. Sam, you were thinking of some specific players you were looking at? Yeah, it's not really a guy who you don't expect to do well, but it, I just have a sneaking suspicion that Gerald McCoy might be about to truly terrify the NFL. I mean... We're talking J.J. Watt levels of dominance. He was fantastic last year, and he's been a ridiculous tear in the preseason. Um, and he's he's now playing in a scheme for Lovey Smith where he's getting turned loose more than he ever did in the old scheme. They're basically allowing him to do what he does best and, and shoot gaps and play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. You know, last year he was the best defensive tackle in the NFL by a fair distance. Um, and it's only kind of through this preseason that it's occurred that that might not be his peak. We might be about to see even better. We haven't mentioned the Buccaneers at all so far. What do you make of their offseason? I don't think they're a bad side. I think they've they've made a lot of good moves and they've they've very quickly transformed the team into something that looks like a Lovey Smith team. It looks a lot like those Bears teams for years. But I think they're probably going to have the same problem as those Bears teams and I don't think they have a quarterback that's capable of leading them kind of all the way or to, to where the, the glory is. Yeah, uh, but definitely a dangerous team that... Uh, game on game, you'd be thinking they've got a chance every week. Yeah, I think when you've got players like McCoy and like Levante David, I think they've got players that are, are capable of, of transforming any game in, a, in an instant. All right, Kim, what are you looking at? Uh, actually, Brian Tannehill is standing out to me because they've brought in a new offensive coordinator who's going to run that Chip Kelly scheme from Philadelphia. And that Chip Kelly scheme worked wonders with uh, Nick Foles. Uh, I don't, I'm not particularly... Uh, enticed by Nick Foles' talent and I think Ryan Tannehill is a significantly better quarterback uh, so I, I'm very in, in, uh, interested to see how productive he can be and how uh, efficient he can be because in the last few years he hasn't really been in good situations and he's been productive but he's also had a lot of mistakes so he's entering his third year this is the kind of time where you, where you hope that he can erase the mistakes and highlight all the production without the mistakes. And I think the the new offensive is going to really, really help them do that. And does that take them all the way to playoffs and beyond? Or have they got too many difficulties in other spots for that to be a realistic possibility? Well, one of the interesting things is Chip Kelly had probably the best offensive line in the league last year. And the Dolphins looked set to have a really kind of poor offensive line. So that's going to make a big difference. That's going to hold them back a bit. And on the defensive side, I think their linebackers could be the worst team in the league. And I think the secondary has some major major concerns. So I don't think they'll be going... I wouldn't be surprised if they did just because Tannehill got half the forward position so important. But I don't think they'll be a playoff team. Tony? I'm interested to see how if this slam dunking of the goalpost is really going <laughs> to be banned. I don't see how that... Uh, why? I don't see why that has to go. Well, because they broke the goalposts. There's loads more goalposts. But there was about put. 15 minutes delay to one of the games. It's stifling freedom of expression. The league has been persecuting fun for the last yeah. 15 years. It's the latest thing to go. It's tragic. Um, I, I think it's a big year for Andy Dalton. I'm interested to see what he will do now that he's got loads of money. Maybe he might not try as hard anymore. Or whether, yeah. a big year for the Bengals, whether they can go, can they make the leap into being that third AFC team or will they just go backwards? I'm not totally sure. Falcons, I think, are interesting too. They can't really be as bad as they were last year and the injuries probably won't be as intense I mean, that, that was a team that was pretty close to the Super Bowl the year the Niners played um, the Ravens. So, you know, they might be there. But it seems like you've got the rich 
and the poor and then lots of kind of people middle class people trying to f- to fight their way through <laughs> we didn't uh, we didn't mention the bears uh, uh, even though Kim mentioned it don't only drop the F bomb that's what I'm going to say I think there's a trend there's a lot of teams that seem to have very good offenses and not much defense I think the bears are another one of those teams they've does that automatically mean every week's a shootout or does that actually mean fundamentally that the defense is uh, I don't know I, I'm wondering does, does that automatically mean the these games are 42 44 uh, not necessarily. I think you still need the offenses to execute, but it certainly helps those kind of scorelines. You're going to have, you know, a lot of teams that are going to put up a lot of points surely or purely because there's a lot of bad defenses out there. Um, and sorry, on the Bears. Yeah, I just think they, they've made a lot of moves to try and fix the defense. I'm just not sure it's actually made that much difference. You know, certainly judging from the preseason, which is always a dangerous thing to do, there was still a lot of this, the same old problems on that defensive front. You know, guys just getting moved out of the way too easily. All right, football's back. Uh, hey. My thanks to the three of you for joining us on the podcast today. We'll be uh, updating the Twitter feeds at Off The Ball for uh, details of when this is coming out on a regular basis every week. So enjoy. Thanks a million. No problem. Thanks, guys. Have a good.